You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Horn Frogs podcast, your daily podcast dedicated to TCU athletics. My name is Stephen Simcox. I'm your host. I'm a producer at ESPN Central Texas, and I'm also a proud TCU alum. I'm passionate about TCU athletics, and I'm excited to uh, kind of start this journey with you, start this show with you. I hope we can build some community. Um, I hope we can have some audience interaction, and I can sort of get to know the people that are tuned in and want to know more about Horn Frog Sports. We're going to talk some TCU football today. Um, and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next offer. Thanks to Built Bar for bringing you today's program. I want to talk about TCU football. That's going to be a, a frequent topic, obviously, as we sort of move through the season and, and go on this podcast. This will be a, a Monday through Friday. It's going to be every day. I encourage you to subscribe. Um, they're going to be short. I want to keep it to 20 to 25 minutes, something that's good for your morning commute. So thanks for tuning in today. And I wanted to start with a segment that I hope to make a staple of every Monday, and it's going to be three things I like and three things I don't like. So uh, pretty simple, three things I like, three things I don't like. It'll usually cover the Saturday's game, but in this particular case, we're going to talk about the whole season. As TCU sits at one and two, I'll sort of give my impressions of what this team has done so far, where they're at, and they head into a, a pretty critical week in a game against Oklahoma. I mean, this is a huge game moving forward as far as what this team's going to look like from here on out. So let, let's start with the positive. And in segment one here, we're going to do three things I like because, as I said, there was a bye week. There was no game this weekend. So you got to kick back, make jokes on Twitter, watch Georgia-Bama, just sort of take in all the games. You didn't have to worry about your emotional stability being tied in to the uh, decision-making of 18- to 22-year-old individuals, student-athletes. So so let's stay positive in our opening show in our first segment here. We'll get to the negative later. But three things I like about this team right now and the makeup of it, and the first one is, is the quarterback, Max Duggan. And I know everyone who covers TCU, TCU fans, I think have really started to fall in love with this guy as – you know, he's progressed from being thrown into the spotlight as a true freshman. And the first thing about Max is, I mean, he's coming off this heart condition. We didn't even really know if he's going to be playing football this year a couple weeks ago. We didn't know if he's going to play football at all a couple weeks ago. And he had this procedure. He does the rehab process. He gets cleared. And now he's back on the field. And the guy's just tough as nails. I think that's the first thing that jumps out about Max Duggan. He is a gamer. He's going to hang in there. He's been taking hit after hit because of this offensive line. We're going to get to them later, not in this segment, as you can imagine. But as much duress as he's been under, um, as much adversity as he's faced sort of early in the season, he's played really well. And he came in in that Iowa State game in the second half and looked fantastic. His completion percentage is up this year. It's up around 70%. It's at 68.8 right now. Last year it was hovering sort of below, um, closer to 50% which wasn't great, but he's he's improved a lot. You can see the throws are being made. Um, the Texas win was fantastic. He was gritty. He had the huge run for a touchdown late in that one to put them over the top. He led them back in that game. 
in what was a sort of a grinded out second half. And yes, the K State game was not great, and, and Max missed some throws. Um, I think he would be the first one to tell you that. You know, he he didn't hit Tay Barber on a third and ten. That would have been a first down. Um, there were a couple more. He he was high on a throw to Valence Hunt late in that game, but he still gave them a chance to win, despite everything that happened. He, he still gave them a chance late. He had that scramble for a touchdown. Despite some really curious play calling on that last drive, he did at least set them up to throw a Hail Mary at the end there. And he's kept them in games his whole career. So I'm really excited to see the, him, him grow. And I think there's a ton of potential with this offense if they can just hone in on some things, find out what their identity is, and, and start moving forward and letting him throw the ball more. But I really love the improvement we're seeing from Max early in the season. It's not as consistent as you'd like it to be, but you can see the the drastic just sort of increase in confidence and in the reads he's making and the throws he's making from year one to early on in year two. And moving over the defensive side of the ball, the second thing I've really enjoyed watching this team so far this year is the corners. And that was a big question mark going into the season because obviously you lose Jeff Gladney. He's a first-round pick to the Vikings, and you wonder, man, where are you going to go? TCU plays that tight man coverage as a staple of a Gary Patterson defense. How are you going to do this? And you've really seen some guys step up. And Noah Daniels coming off the – the injury from last year has been fantastic. Uh, Pro Football Focus graded him at uh, 86.4 when lined up as the outside corner. Pro Football Focus does, you know, they grade every snap. They really isolate guys and look at how they're doing. Um, Noah Daniels been, has been locked down. And Travius Hodges Tomlinson, the, the TCU legacy, it's been sort of up and down for him. He, he struggled in the Iowa State game. He played better against Texas. But I think you're seeing a lot of potential there. You're seeing a number two corner, number three corner who can come in and make plays. And they've given up some big plays in the passing game, but a lot of the big plays on defense, a lot of the busts so far have been the run game. You know, it hasn't really been um, guys getting beat over the top. And I feel like this is a a position group that has really exceeded expectations early on in the season. So I think there's, again, a lot of potential similar to this offense and, you know, what we see from, from Duggan at the quarterback position. The corners on the outside are, are really holding their own early in the season. Obviously a big test with uh, with Oklahoma coming to town on Saturday. And then the wide receivers. Um, that's, that's the third thing I really like about this team so far. Quentin Johnston – has been fantastic as a true freshman. And um, actually, at, at the radio station I work at, we carry Temple football games, and that's where Quentin went to high school. So I got to see up close and personal who Quentin was in high school. And I honestly didn't really peg him as an immediate contributor um, as a true freshman just because it, you see the frame. You know, you see the um, – he has all the measurables. He can go up and high point the ball. But Quentin in high school, as productive as he was, uh, sometimes – he'd just sort of get lost. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't see him dominate the game like you would expect him to um, at that 6A level with the, the physical talent that he had. Now, part of that was the guys throwing to him at Temple High School are not the guys that are throwing to him at TCU. But I wasn't sure if he was just going to step in and be a plug-and-play type guy. And while, he, you know, he didn't have a great game production-wise against Kansas State, 
um, he has popped some. You know, he had that touchdown catch against Iowa State. He made some big plays against Texas. And you see what they want to do with him. I think that's the most important thing. He has a role. He has a clear role in this team. It's going deep down the field, and they're going to throw 50-50 balls to him, and they're going to expect him to go up and make the play. And they really haven't had a guy like that since Josh Doxson. I mean, they've had good receivers, but they haven't had that big-time, big-body wideout who even when he's not open, he's open just because he can go up and get the ball um, where nobody else can because he has that height advantage and he has the ability to go up over a corner and make a play or run past a corner and make a play. And then, you know, Tay Barber obviously has been very consistent on the inside, but but the other guy that's that's popped is, is Blair Conright uh, from Lubbock. And he, he's been fantastic. 176 receiving yards so far this year. He's leading the team. He has become the guy on third and eight, third and nine that you're that you're looking for. And it feels like every catch he's had this year has been a big one. He had the huge catch against Texas on the sidelines uh, to extend a drive in the second half. He's just become a big play guy. He's sort of become a security blanket for Duggan, which is really surprising this early in his career. And I know a lot of uh, people on the TCU beat, and specifically uh, Billy Wessels, who's covered the Frogs for a long time, was really excited about Conright. Um, And I've just been pleasantly surprised with how he's playing, um, what he's doing. And, and how he's been able to, to make big plays and make big catches early in the season for TCU. So that's that's three things I like. Coming up next, we're going to talk about three things I don't like because hey, we, we can't hide the truth here. TCU's currently one and two. There's obviously some improvement that has to happen. They have to find a way um, to be more consistent, and we'll talk about that next. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast dedicated to TCU athletics. I want to tell you all about one of our great sponsors, Coors Light. Do you feel like you're always on? Everything is go, go, go. Work, family, balancing everything can be really stressful. It's hard to find that me time, that time to chill, that moment to chill. When you're ready to unwind, when you want to have a moment to just hang out and chill, Saturdays are a great time to do that. Watching college football is a, is a great way to you know unwind, kind of decompress, take a break from your busy schedule. And next time you're sitting back watching a game, you need to grab a cold Coors Light. You know, crack open a Coors Light, enjoy that mountain cold refreshment that's made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally a beverage that's made to chill. So when you turn on the TCU game this Saturday, grab a cold Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I also want to talk to you about Built Bars. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars ever they have 18 amazing flavors the improved built bar is even more delicious than ever they got six new flavors caramel brownie cookies and cream uh lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp cookies and cream is my favorite flavor try that out today they also have some original flavors like raspberry German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread. Built Bars are healthy if you're health conscious, if you're worried about what your calorie intake is. You don't have to worry about that with Built Bar. It's only 180 calories. It's 5 grams of sugar. It's a a really good thing to eat before a workout. Great to eat. If you have a long shift, I like to eat one before my radio shift. I'm on the air for 5-6 hours. It's something that can tie me over. It's not too heavy. And if you go to BuiltBar.com, go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and get 20% off your next order. 
All right, we're back. Locked on Horn Frogs. Stephen Simcox here, your host. Appreciate you uh, giving us a chance, tuning in tonight. I'm recording this from beautiful McGregor, Texas. It is about 11:30 at night, and I am just sitting on my porch talking into the microphone. So I'm sure my neighbors uh, think I'm I'm very suspicious right now, but I'm uh, I'm happy to be bringing you some content, and I hope you'll follow along as as we go through the week. And I try to get you ready for this Oklahoma game. That's coming up. We're doing a segment that I, I want to make a staple of, of the Monday show, which is going to be three things I like, three things I don't like. And, and we stayed positive in segment one. And we're talking about the whole season so far, you know, the, the three games that we've that have been played. But now we, we need to turn to the negative and, and three things I don't like. And, and the first one is, I think, pretty obvious. Anyone who, who's been watching uh, TCU football over the first few weeks would point it out. It's this offensive line. I mean, it's just been a turnstile. And it's made everything for this offense more difficult. Uh, you know, Austin Myers spoke after the K-State game, and he's one of the tackles for the Frogs, and he was talking about how this O-line is not on the same page. And earlier this week I was reading uh, Jamie Plunkett, who writes for Frogs Award, does a really nice job for them. And he wrote an article about what exactly does that mean and what does it say about this O-line and kind of how they're working as a position group, um, to, to have a, a fifth-year senior come out and say, hey, we're not on the same page. we got to go back to the drawing board. we got to figure this thing out. The pass protection has just been terrible. Um, you know, one guy I'm curious to see if they get him out there is T.J. Stormont. He was a grad transfer from Colorado State. He was originally committed to Purdue, and then TCU kind of swooped in late. He hasn't gotten many snaps. I just assumed he would be um, the guy that had the inside track for that starting job, but he hasn't played. And I, I just I don't know what, what it would hurt to throw him out there at one of the tackle positions. I mean, it can't be much worse. Obviously, I'm not watching practice every day like the coaching staff is. But, but what's going on with this offensive line? They can't pick up the rushers. And in the Iowa State game, I mean <laughs> – in that season opener, Iowa State is runs at three three five. For the most part, they're rushing three guys. I mean, five on three, you should be able to protect your quarterback. They've given up ten sacks this season against Kansas State. They didn't give up a ton of sacks, but Max every time he dropped back in the pocket was just taking huge hit after huge hit. He had to leave the game and make way for Matthew Downing, and we saw how that worked out. K State got a pick six. You just handed the Wildcats seven points. Um, they're running the ball okay. They're not running the ball at, in a fantastic, you know, fantastic. It's not great. It, it's been fine. They're moving the ball on the ground a little bit, but they have to find some consistency here. And the problem when you're bad up front, I mean, you can sort of hide some other positions. If you're not great on the outside at wide receiver, you can try to run the football and you can run some routes to expose your, your wide out strengths. But when you're when you have a bad O line, I mean your playbook is super limited, and you can do some things. You can run some draw plays and some screens and misdirection and try to catch the defense over pursuing. But eventually, that stuff's not going to work, and and you have to block. I mean, you just have to straight up block the protection, identify how many rushers are coming, and and make a pocket like protect your passer. So I'm not really sure what they're going to do, but you can only move the pocket so many times. You can only run so many tunnel screens and quick three-step drops and try to get the ball out of Duggan's hands before defenses, you know, catch up to what you're doing 
and and dare you to to make deeper throws, dare you to make plays, you know, down the field. Um, and that's what I feel like we've seen the most, and and how this offense looks like it's getting to a higher gear, and then and then it slows down. Is this offensive line can't can't protect? I mean, they just can't allow uh, Duggan to have time and, and make plays. And that's that's the biggest thing holding this team back right now. Is is this O line? Secondly, on things things I don't like so far in the TCU season, you know, I, I was going to stay in the trenches and go with the defensive line because they've had their own trouble. They only have four sacks this year. But I'll instead say uh, just the big plays that were given up on defense. And it, it was most noticeable against Iowa State. You had the 75-yard touchdown run by Brees Hall, also a 32-yard touchdown run, a 49-yard touchdown run. That 32-yard TD run was on a third and three you have a chance late in the game to get the ball back and at least give your offense the opportunity to go score and and make it a game and, and win that football game, and instead you give up a touchdown. And the defense has played well overall, but these these busts, these big plays are killing them. Will Howard, the quarterback for K-State last week, had an 80-yard scramble that set them up for three points. You also had the big play to Deuce Vaughn, and, and Vaughn's a great player, so you're going to give some of those up. But they have to find a way. I mean, TCU's defense is known for this. They're going to play man coverage. Um, they're going to bring pressure from time to time from the outside. They're going to expose, you know, their defense to the possibility of a big play. But you have to shore this up, especially in the run game. You cannot give up 80-yard runs, 75-yard runs, 70-yards runs. You saw this last year. You know, against Oklahoma State, the defense played great, but then Chuba Hubbard would break one for a touchdown, and all of a sudden all that work you did to get back in the game, it's all for naught. And TCU's going to have to to sure this up. And I know part of the run game is the safeties are coming up um, and they're not staying back enough and making plays. I, I feel like the pass defense has been okay. But if they can find a way to not allow these to happen, or at least not allow them to happen so frequently, right? Like if you give up one or two, three huge plays like that, okay, maybe you'll be all right. But when you're giving up five, six, seven explosive plays, and especially against Texas, it was third and 10, third and 12, third and 14. You're giving up long passes, long runs. You have to find a way to get off the field, and the defense is going to have to find a way to shore this up. And I think part of that's going to be having a consistent pass rush. Maybe Marcel Brooks, the exciting transfer from LSU, can get in the game somehow just in situational pass rush situations. But they're going to have to uh, play their responsibilities better, play more discipline, and cut down on those big plays. Um, and if they do that, I mean, the rest of the defense is obviously very talented. On paper, it looks like it's going to be fantastic. And then I think you're you're really cooking if if this defense can sure that up. And finally, on things I don't like, it's just the inconsistency on offense. And I feel like the biggest thing so far is what exactly is this offense? Like, what is the identity of this team? It seemed like, especially in that Texas game and in the second half of the Iowa State game, they had gotten back to some of those air raid concepts, throwing the ball, you know, in the middle of the field getting the ball out of Duggan's hands faster, using some tempo in certain situations, running against a light box, taking opportunities and advantage of when the defense gives you a favorable look to run the football. And then against K-State, I don't even really know 
like what they were trying to do. It was almost like they went back to last season. This offense was so stagnant. It was so vanilla. And the team overall, they lost so many one-score games. And it just felt like every time they had a small lead, they were holding on for dear life. Or they could stay in the game and the defense could keep them in the game, but they couldn't get that touchdown or they couldn't get that score to put them over the top. And so many games come to mind. The Baylor game where they're just sitting there and trading field goals with Baylor in the second half and had great field position, you know, after great field position. The second half of that game last year, they had the ball on the plus side of the 50 a couple different times and could not find a way to score. Couldn't even get a field goal. Couldn't even make it to where Baylor had to go score a touchdown uh, to win that football game. They ended up falling in overtime against West Virginia. They they couldn't score. They finally got a Jalen Rager punt return in the second half, but they couldn't find a way to score on offense. And finally, you know, Jared Dagey led the team down the field. They had a couple dumb penalties, and they lose that football game. Um, you know, Oklahoma State comes to mind. They were in that game, but the offense wasn't consistent enough, and eventually the defense broke. And Kansas State on Saturday was like that. I mean, they were just – they sleptwalked through the first half. There wasn't much energy, and they couldn't get anything going on offense. And I also want to know where exactly Pro Wells is. You know, as as anemic as that offense was at times last season, he was uh, he was great when they found – when they got him involved and, and got him the football. Where's uh, where's J.D. Spielman? He's a, a fantastic receiver at Nebraska, and now the only way he can get the football is on a punt return. Um, y- you have to find a way to get the ball to your playmakers, and, and TCU hasn't done that. Also, who's your running back? I mean, they, they've tried Barlow. Um, I really like Miller a lot. I, I think he's a good back. I think Foster and Evans have potential, but who's the guy that you're going to roll with for 15 to 20 carries instead of just splitting this thing up almost by committee and giving everyone 5 to 10 carries a game? This offense doesn't have to get back to that 2014 level, 2015 level, where it felt like every time they touched the ball they were going to score. I mean, it'd be great if they did. But they have to stop playing games. It's almost like they're playing games not to lose. It just feels like they're so scared of taking a risk and pushing the envelope at all and wearing their defense out or exposing them in any way that they're just hoping they can get a small lead and hold on for dear life. And that's not a way to win college football games in 2020. Like, you have to score points. You're going to have to score 25 to 30 points, even if you have a really good defense, to win games consistently, especially in this league in the Big 12. And they haven't done it. So that's three things I don't like. Coming up next, uh, we'll discuss a little bit about this Oklahoma game, why I think it's a pivotal game for TCU moving forward in the season, and then also we'll get into – I want to briefly mention TCU soccer. We're not only going to talk football on this podcast, and Coach Eric Bell uh, has that soccer team playing really well, so we'll we'll close out with that. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, uh, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked on Horn Frogs podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. This is a daily TCU podcast. I'd love it if you would subscribe and uh, rate this. I mean, I don't know if maybe this is a little too forward to me to say give me five stars on a first date, but if you would, I'd really appreciate that. Please rate this show and uh, give me five stars so I don't have to explain to my mom how to download the podcast app on her iPhone and how to subscribe and rate and review 
just so I can have at least one five-star review. I mean, I have a, a four-year-old and a three-year-old. I could employ them to do it, but I, I really, you know, it, it'd feel great if, if you truly enjoyed this and said, you know what, I, I want to give this a five-star rating. I want to subscribe to this podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, tell your friends about it. If you don't like what you've heard so far, uh, don't tell anyone about it, even though you're probably not listening at this point. If you've been listening for 20 minutes and you don't like it, then uh, you're you're a better person than me. But I appreciate anyone who, who gave me a chance today, and I hope you'll roll me through the week. Tomorrow I'm going to chat with Matt Jennings, uh, a good friend of mine who used to be on the TCU beat, used to be on the college football beat full-time, and he now still you know dabbles in it. Uh, he writes a, a weekly recap, and he's a great follow on Twitter. Um, at Matt A. Jennings, so we'll chat with him tomorrow about just what he's seen from the Frogs so far and in this upcoming game against Oklahoma. And I want to have a couple guests a week. I want to talk to coaches. Um, I want to talk to former players. I want to have conversations with, you know, the movers and shakers in the Big 12. I'm going to try to bring outstanding content to you every day to encourage you to listen Monday through Friday and make me a part of your day here on the Locked on Horn Frogs podcast. This game coming up against Oklahoma is crucial. Uh, for, for one, OU has been the one team in this league that TCU has just not been able to figure out. Now, they pushed them last year in what was a crazy game. They fell behind 21 nothing and ended up making that a football game and turned Jalen Hurts over a couple times. And if not for a, a terrible spot on fourth and one, they might have uh, – Duggan might have gotten the ball back and, and led them to a victory there, but it didn't happen. So it, it's important on that front, just this is the one team in the league that you really haven't been competitive against. I mean, not only not winning games, but there's been quite a few blowouts in this series. But the other part of it is you're one and two. And I think, obviously, you want to win seven games, eight games. But at this point, I feel like success or Ending the season without a bad taste in your mouth is probably five and four. So, if you look at the schedule and in the games that you think are winnable, now I think TCU can beat anybody. But I mean, if you just look at it, and games they're probably going to be favored in Kansas, West Virginia. Even though the Mountaineers have a really good defensive line, and that's an interesting matchup <laughs> against the TCU O line. Um, but you throw West Virginia in there, Baylor. And Texas Tech, I mean, that's that's four. And I, I feel like Baylor being a rivalry game, probably a toss-up. Don't really know a lot about them right now. Um, I feel like three that you're confident that you're going to be a favorite in going into it. You need this game if you can get it. And you also don't want to start one and three. I mean, one and three just looks terrible. It looks bad. You can recover from it, but it's, it's going to be a – it's a rough start to the season. There's no way around it. So, can they rattle Spencer Rattler? Can they get to him? You know, this OU offense looked like they figured something out against Texas by just running the football downhill. Can the defense hold up to that? Are they going to be able to move the ball? They This offense was really, really bad against Kansas State. Um, it, it just wasn't good. They weren't able to move the ball. There were missed reads. Max missed some throws. They couldn't run the ball consistently. They had... Silly penalty after silly penalty. So you need to win this Saturday. you got to find a way to get to 2-2. Two and two. And if you're sitting at 2-2 two and two and you feel like you have four or five games that you look at and you say, man, those are those are winnable football games. Those are the types of games that if we take care of business, uh, 
and play aggressive and play well, we can win, then I think the outlook for the season looks a lot better. And you also still give yourself that outside chance of, of maybe making a race for the Big 12 title, even though I, I think with two losses, you've already put yourself behind the eight ball there. So a huge game coming up against OU. And we'll take you through all week. We'll try to preview that and, and get you prepared for what's going to be a big one at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Before we go, I did want to mention TCU soccer is playing outstanding right now. They're 4-0-1. They're, four they're coming off a 2 to nothing win um, against Texas Tech. Messiah Bright had a goal. Also, Grace Collins put one in the back of the net. This is a really good team. If you're not paying much attention, they play every Friday. Most of their games are on Big 12 now, which is part of ESPN+. Plus. It's pretty easy to subscribe to. They play Kansas, actually this Thursday at 7 p.m. on the 22nd. And they're sitting second in the standings right now behind West Virginia, who I believe is 5-1. and one. Yeah, they're 5-1. and one. And Kansas is 4-1, so this is a big game against Kansas. But if you haven't had a chance to check out TCU soccer, I'd say on Thursday night if you're free at 7 o'clock and you have ESPN+, Plus, you want to turn it on, um, take a look because this is a good team. This is a team that is making a race, is going to have a chance to win the Big 12 title. And they only have, looking at the schedule here, four games left in the regular season. So check out what TCU soccer is doing. Eric Bell is uh, done a fantastic job with that program since taking over, and we'll uh, we'll follow them at all. I also want to talk volleyball. Obviously, we'll get into basketball as the season gets closer. This is a TCU Athletics podcast. It's not just football, but I, I know football is what moves the needle, um, and and we're going to talk football just about every day here at Locked On Horn Frogs. Tomorrow, my friend Matt Jennings will join the show. Thank you for listening today. Again, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, follow me on Twitter at Simcox Steven. You can also follow the, the show Twitter account at locked on TCU. And I have a, an email at locked on horn frogs at gmail.com. If you want to email me and ask me some questions, I want to interact with you guys. If you want to tweet me and ask me some questions on Twitter, uh, I want this to be an interactive podcast. I want to build some community here. So I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening today. This is Locked on Horn Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.